0: it's the auburn
1: observer podcast the weekend recap edition justin ferguson here painter sharpless over there hello painter howdy howdy all right, it is uh it is Saturday night as we record this. This will come out on Sunday Valentine's Day. Um never have had much of a use for Valentine's Day, but painter, I hope. <laughs> I hope I hope you have a good Valentine's Day whatever you end up doing. Thank you, King. Um got some cookies. Got some cookies. There you go. All right, that's I guess that's the one positive that I think I can take for from Valentine's Day for me personally. It's like, all right, well, like treats. Yeah, dessert and candy is going to be like cheap Monday. People Monday. are spending an extra amount of time telling me how
0: nice they think I am. And I'm like, I don't think you believe that, but you know what? It's the time of the year and I will
1: accept your brownies. Uh Panger, I made a important discovery um Saturday afternoon slash evening. Um so free let's throws slash, don't count for Sharif Cooper. Free throws don't don't count for Sharif Cooper. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um but uh Friday uh Bruce Pearl. Uh, was talking about JT Thor being skinny, and at one point um, he said this about him, um, and I want to I want to make sure I get him in in uh, in quote the full quote's great. Uh, he's like, "So being young and thin and having so much energy, you know, people marvel at my energy. Well, I've got plenty of fat. I can burn plenty of fat, and I got plenty of energy." And he being, um, meaning JT Thor, saying. He don't have no fat. He don't eat no meat. No. You remember that? You don't like meat? I'll make you lamb. He needs to eat some lamb. You know you know what? Yeah, that's what he is. And so he did a... Bruce... This is a Friday press conference. Bruce did a voice in that, and I was like, okay, he's referencing something, and I vaguely remembered what he was talking about, and it was driving me crazy Um because Brian, Brian Matthews on Saturday, when we talked to Thor after the game, asked him if he had ever eaten <laughs> lamb, and Thor was like, "Yeah, my mom made it. I, I, I you know, I like it." Um, Painter Bruce was quoting uh, the 2002 uh, cinematic classic, "My Big Fat Greek Wedding." wow that is, is that the nice deepest test. pull is that one of the <laughs> deepest pulls you think a college coach has ever made when re- referencing something very
0: classy move i feel like there's a lot of nostalgia for that era yeah. as well the early 2000s are very much in vogue
1: whether or not they should be and so after watching the clip that it was that, that he was re- referencing <laughs> uh, he even did the accent it was perfect it was perfect so shout out to bruce pearl this is uh uh, I think I think we may call this our, our big fat Greek podcast. Well, I guess non Greek. Um, well, I mean, you were Greek once upon a time. That's true. That's yeah. Half Greek. This is a half Greek podcast. How about that? And so- and
0: all of the pleasures, yes, and and just generally being viewed as
1: sort of a a prick.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're off to a roaring start, just ladies like and gentlemen. Jamie,
0: that guy probably not nice. but
1: you're not but, anymore because people are people are telling you how nice you are for sure. uh, for, for valentine's, for valentine's day. day and we'll also yes. talk about we'll also talk about our, our podcast reviews here uh, later on where, where i'm telling people to make sure they say nice things to you it, don't tell painter nice things to him just because it's valentine's day tell him because uh i told you to for the for the podcast uh, Great review
0: and subscribe baby that's yes, what sir. we're here for
1: all right, Auburn, Kentucky. Let's get to the let's get to the order of business. Auburn, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, eighty-two. Auburn, eighty on Saturday. This was an opportunity for Auburn to make some history. That is something that Bruce Pearl has been uh, preaching all season long. When you don't get to play in a postseason because of the ban, you got to kind of have to come up with stuff to you know motivate your team in place of hey championships or you know you know competing in the postseason and stuff like that. One of them has been. Kentucky, you know, Kentucky's been a target uh, for Auburn for a while. They go to Kentucky. They had only beaten Kentucky in Rupp Arena twice all time. Hadn't happened since 1988. Um, so this was a chance to make some history. They had never swept Kentucky. Uh, they had never beaten Kentucky twice in a regular season um, ever. So this was an opportunity for that. First half, Auburn played an excellent game of basketball. Um they were defending well. They were frustrating Kentucky. They were getting to the rebounds. They were scoring well on the inside. They were shooting well, which I thought was something that, you know, could be kind of weary about. And there's been some games, uh, you know, when Auburn goes to Rupp and it's like, oh, they can't hit anything. Um, you know, this is a, so it's a rough day. But, no, they, they, they shot the ball well from outside. They went to the halftime, you know, locker room with a six-point lead. Sure, there were some turnovers and there were some breakdowns, but, like, that was a good first half of basketball – and, you know, they're just 20 minutes away from getting it done, 20 minutes away from putting it in. It was going to have to be a grinded-out game. And just out of nowhere, I think everything that could have gone wrong for Auburn in the first 10 minutes of the, of the, of the second half did, Kentucky couldn't miss. They were one, At one point, they were 6 of 7 from deep. This team can't hit the broadside of a barn most of the season, uh, and they, they start ripping it from deep. Um, Auburn's defense, not, to, not where it needs to be can't really move the ball on offense, can't get a foul call whatsoever, getting too many foul calls on the other end. And, man, it just all came apart there in what uh, what we've been calling the third quarter. Um, I mean, once again, this is just kind of what a young team's kind of done all year long. Um, that's got to be the one thing I think Bruce Pearl's the most frustrated when, because you know he had to be sitting over there on the sidelines – during that first 10 minute stretch of the of the second half and be like, "Guys, we have done this before. I have seen this movie. We have talked about this, and the movie is not my big fat Greek wedding. This is an even worse movie.
0: <laughs> I don't know what to say, not good for yeah. what uh, medium we're on. But it feels to me <laughs> like Auburn's really hit a wall. and yeah. Uh, that's still bad analysis as you dig into that. But I will say this, boy, I don't know what else to do if you're the coaching staff on some levels. I'm not saying that they've been perfect far from it. In fact, in certain moments, but I think on a certain level, there's also an element of, we can only tell you so much what to do, whether or not you do it or execute is out of our hands. And, that gets into a you know devolves into a different conversation about practice and reps. But neither, either way, I'd, I think all this is at the backdrop of there have been so many games this year that could have gone Auburn's way. Mm-hmm. They haven't, and you know whether it's your own fan base, the rival fan base that's enjoying success it ha- hasn't had in two decades. Uh, just generally, sort of the narrative nationally that is spun. People don't care how close you are. If no. you're Auburn and the record's not pretty and it's not right now, the reporting is going to be, hey, this team is dropping off. Now, I do think there's still an awareness of just how young this team is. The youngest and so in college basketball. A narrative about, okay, how, how good will they be next year that I think people are very much in tune with. But uh, there's no sympathy for a struggling Auburn team the way I think some other programs around the league might get because a lot of people don't view Auburn as a team that, uh, deserves the benefit of the doubt, especially in basketball. Maybe they don't.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Um,
0: you know, they've got some great players, and like, I don't know how this rotation all works together. I'll be curious to see if there's any movement in the offseason. I, it is a fascinating puzzle when you think about the front court. It's fascinating when you think about right. whether or not you get Shreve back, because like, it was a real question mark early in the year. Okay, what does it look like if he has a, a big rush and he's having that kind of rush i I don't know what the roster looks like next year if it looks almost the same or if there are a few different people that you can't predict are gone and also by the way auburn was supposed to lose this game and they lost it almost exactly to what the models in vegas said they would so again it's like well how frustrated can you be and the answer is quite
1: frustrated JT Thor with the backdoor cover of a lifetime, though, you're drawing Fair that enough. foul. Fair <laughs> just <enough. laughs> a really bad foul there late by Kentucky. Um, if you had if you had Kentucky uh minus three, uh, you were probably screaming at your television at that. Yeah, I, I said it in the observations on Sunday. This feels like a kind of a snake bitten season for Auburn just because they've lost eight games in SEC play. All right. They four of those um have come by two points. Another came by four, and another came by five. Um, you just flip half of those games, you know, you flip half of those games and Auburn is, you know, tied for second, top four seed in what would have been the SEC tournament spot this year. They would have been a really, really good team. And a team at this point that you would look at is probably, you know, a, a, a solid NCAA tournament team. And it's just a, a handful of possessions that make the difference in, the, in, in that one. This is one of those times for Auburn where I just you you got to just chalk it up to man like sometimes you're just unlucky, and we've talked about luck before, in the Ken sense, and you know Auburn right now is 313th in in luck, out of 357 Division One basketball teams on Ken and what luck is 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 the deviation between how well you're playing and what your record looks like. So here's how you play on the floor, and it's like, okay, if a team plays like this, this is what their record should be, this is how they should play, and how far off of it you are and what the results look like. And Auburn's towards the bottom nationally at that right now. So they're playing better than their record, right? And and that's key. That's key. I mean, one of, one of my favorite writers in sports, period, uh, is Bill Barnwell at ESPN formerly Grantland, he does a really good job getting into the kind of analytics and the in the in the roster building and the nerdy side of the NFL, which is stuff that I enjoy, you know, and try to apply some some aspects of it to, to college football, especially when I cover Auburn. And what Bill does every year, one of his cooler things is, like, he goes back and looks at these teams in the NFL who lose close games and how well they can improve the next season. It's like, hey, if you're looking for a team to make the jump, look at what, you know, a little different, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hadn't been to the playoffs in forever. They end up winning the Super Bowl this year. There's been great turnarounds. We've seen San Francisco do it recently. Um, we have seen uh, teams like the Rams do it recently. You know, the Browns, you know, come coming together. It's these like, if hey, if you lose close games, okay, a year later with more experience, those are usually the teams that take that step forward. And I think that's something you can hold on to if you're an Auburn fan right now. the solace is that they are close. This team is close, right? This team is close, and it really doesn't have a ton of business being as close as it is, but they're doing it out of just kind of pure talent right now. Um, you know, they, they've they played Alabama close, right? They, they they lost a heartbreaker to Texas A&M. They lost a heartbreaker to Arkansas. They lost a really, really close high-scoring game to Georgia. They got a buzzer-beater drilled in their face against Ole Miss. They have what happens today today against Kentucky. That's not a bad thing for this team. Like that's not you know like oh this team kind of is just doesn't ha- doesn't really have it. I mean they've been competitive in every one of their SEC losses. They have not lost a game since Sharif Cooper has been cleared. They have not lost an SEC game by more than a couple of possessions, right? So hold on to that. Hold on to that because you're not going to be the least experienced team in college basketball next season. You should be able to build off of that. And so that's I think that's what you got to hold on to. And I think the big picture takeaway of this game, ultimately, and I know Kentucky's not that great this year, but it's Kentucky. Like, look at them. Look at look at the size. Look at the athleticism. Look at the um, look at the recruiting classes that build that team. Look at the history. Look at all that. And today, Kentucky needed the the shooting performance of their season from deep. That stretch, that hot stretch they went on in the first ten minutes of the second half. They needed that. And then they needed a fair majority of the whistles to go their way in this game to beat Auburn by two at home. Okay? That's not doom and gloom, end of the world kind of stuff. It's, I mean, Kentucky needed the shots to fall that usually aren't falling for them. And they needed a ton of whistles. They needed a ton of whistles in this game. The foul disparity in this game was gigantic. And I know we go on this podcast every week and talk about how bad the officiating is in college basketball. This one's got more of a practical practical application, though, because Sharif Cooper didn't go to the freaking free throw line. There's no reason that that should ever be a thing. You should not take 15 shots inside the three-point line as a downhill get-to-the-basket point guard in college basketball and not go to the free throw line once. That should not happen something's got to give, especially when the other team is playing that similar kind of style and they shoot 25 free throws in that game. And and the, and the, and the most damaging part of this whole game for Auburn is, is that this is a game where Auburn shot well from the free throw line. They were nine of 10. Just give them a few more and they win this game or take some away from Kentucky.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not the only one to point out where it is. Auburn currently stands as a constructed roster but it's a fascinating piece because we know how well Bruce Pearl's recruiting. But at the same time, I would argue a friend of the newsletter, Alston, has made a similar argument. It feels a lot like Auburn has one creator. Yep. In some games, you get a lot of turnovers. I think that this would be a fair example of that. You don't right now have any elite shooters. And the team, as you mentioned before the season started was always almost certainly anyway, you're you're going to struggle to play defense. And so it's like, you're just going to get these inconsistent offensive performances mixed with pretty consistent holes in your defense. I, I don't know what else to say. It's really deflating to watch because you've seen this team up as they were in the Kentucky game, as they were in other points of the season against Ole Miss and Arkansas. And it doesn't matter. Um,
1: yeah, I would say to Austin's point, your potentially great shooter is yeah. still dealing yeah. with a concussion problem.
0: I mean, just adding, you know, I mean, Right. the
1: the main snake thing bin. the obvious snake thing is his
0: general health, but
1: Yeah. Doesn't sound like he's coming back this year. As an
0: objective fan, it's like it's made your team worse.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't sound like he's coming back this year because he would have to take 2 weeks to come back if he, you know, Pearl said to kind of get back in game shape. Well, you're almost at the 2 week part, right. 2 weeks left in the regular season. Man, just got to get healthy. I think Josh Vitale uh, pointed out recently that, like, hey, you know, Patrick Mahomes had a concussion and came back the next week. Sidney Crosby had a concussion and missed all of a season for it. Like, so it, it's – A whole it, season. Yeah. And this is a pro with – In a sport where everybody wants to tell you how tough these guys are. And they are. Yes, at the and they are. the same
0: time, like, if he can't come back, there are a few people that can. And, I mean, it sounds
1: heartbreaking. It sounds like Powell it is has
0: not really seen his – people that he's closest to.
1: Right. And remember, he is a he is a college freshman. So it's not like he has a, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's he's the basketball is what he's here for, you know? And he missed a lot of time his senior season because of an injury as well. And you just hope this dude comes back just for his sake, just to be healthy and be and be normal again. That would be that would be a huge thing, but yeah, I mean, th- this team this team has got a ton of talent though. And that's the thing it's like offensively uh, the only thing I would kind of kick back with it and, and that is that offensively this team's fine.
0: Yeah, I think it has
1: been they turn the ball over. Team. They turn the ball over sure, but if you score 80 points a game, you're going to be fine with you I mean, you're going to be fine because you don't want to restrict some of that loose playing style that you've got, some of that speed and that pace in order to cut down on turnovers, that might also cut away your your scoring potential. So but I, mean,
0: I think you have to live with the inconsistency on the offensive end. The general right. product has gotten you, what, 80 points, whatever it is they're averaging since Sharif has been eligible. So, I
1: mean, since Sharif's been eligible, they've scored 80, 73, 80, 84, 86. They scored 72 against Baylor. 82, or sorry, 88, 109, 73, 66, 95, and 94. So a lot of 80s, a lot of 90s there. You'll live with it. You'll live with it. You know, I mean, I think I think that's – that's okay. Um, this team, though, is just – I mean, you've just seen what pure talent – how far pure talent can take you, right? If Auburn – I mean, honestly, if Auburn gets the, – if the free throws are a little bit more even today against Kentucky, if, you know, a couple of things go differently in the old Miss game, maybe just one thing goes differently in the old Miss game, right? If Sharif Cooper gets the foul call in Arkansas, okay, then you're talking about a team that is now eight and five in the SEC, and fourteen and eight on the season. Complete, we are talking a completely different basketball team. It's a different tone, a different tenor around this team. Just based on, I mean, all you gotta do is flip like three or four things, right? And we t- we talked about that in the football and football in the past, and that you can't live like that. But I think it is even more magnified in basketball because of you know how how quickly things can change. But we have seen talent just take this team far. Because, again, they are the youngest team of Kyle's basketball, the least experienced team of Kyle's basketball. And they're living on talent alone. And if you need any more examples of that, look at what JT Thor did on Saturday. JT Thor, the last three games, had been going through it. Offensively, struggling with a shot. I think he had the worst plus-minus. Um, on the team for two of those three games, if not all three of those games, and so what does he do in his first ever game at Rupp Arena? He goes five of six from deep, scores his career high twenty-four points in, and gets nine boards in twenty-seven minutes, and is the is the you know the 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 lead dog in your push to come back from fourteen down to tie the game up in the final minute. And I mean, this guy this guy is going to be an NBA player. And I was talking to my brother about this, and he mentioned, like, you can make the argument that JT Thor might be the better all-around pro prospect than Cooper, not to where he gets picked, but just because, like, he's 6'10 and can do everything, and Cooper's always going to have that kind of limitation because, because of his size and some of the Thor, like, there's not a thing on the on, in basketball that he can't do when he's unleashed. And so watching him kind of take over for a stretch there is just like, oh, all right, I mean, this is this is a type of talent that Bruce Pearl is hauling into your program right now, and he's six foot ten and shooting the lights out. There's a dude coming in next season who's six foot ten and is a better peer shooter. This team is going to be fine long term. I guess it just doesn't ease any of the frustration right now.
0: Yeah, and I guess while I'm stealing ideas since we talked about the offense and and what it was that. I've offered up and in, in Alston's idea. I mean, I think he points out that Auburn's protecting the rim at a near elite level and it has the height to be extremely good at rebounding. And one of the things you pointed out is with another year of experience, the defense ought to be better. So regardless, there's this big question mark right now on the roster about what you get or don't get back with Sharif Cooper defensively. I really like the chances Mm -hmm. of the team being better next year, right, for a number of different reasons. The talent, the athleticism, the obvious part where everyone on the team is tall, including, you know, someone like Justin Powell and Alan Flanagan. Another year, the ability to communicate. JT Thor will get what Bruce Pearl thinks is some fat on him. Like, there's all these little things that will work in their favor with another year. Plus, I think the obvious thing is they can't possibly be as unlucky, next season
1: they can't <laughs> I if don't they not then possible. i
0: guess i'll just i don't know i mean i've been wrong a lot this year but i feel pretty good about them winning a few more close games yeah. next season and also they should generally be a better deeper team
1: well i think another example is they've got leaders on this team that are only going to continue to grow i want to point back to in this game alan flanagan gets out of his offense right he had 23 in this game okay eight of 13 he had turnovers, but pretty much everybody who touched the ball a lot for Auburn had turnovers. Um, did a good job in the second half of kind of limiting some things, in, you know, down the stretch with with his defense. The three pointers he took weren't bad shots; they just, you know, didn't go down. Um, all the good, all the good three point luck went to went to J T. Thor on, on Saturday, and you'll you'll live with that. Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams had a huge plus-minus in this game because Auburn's just better with him on the floor. And, it like, again, I, I don't know how many times i got to say it. Don't just box score watch with Jalen Williams. Watch him play basketball. Watch what he does, you know, on the floor. He's in the right position probably more than anybody else on this team uh, on offense and defense. He can do, do a lot of things for you. And this is a – I mean, Flanagan and Williams would be upperclassmen next season. Experienced guys. Again, Another guy like Devin Cambridge and – Bruce Pearl likes to say it all the time. You come out of high school and you come into college, you know offense. I mean, think about playing pickup basketball. Offense ain't a problem. It's hard to play defense. Right. It's hard to right. it's hard to know how to kind of defend a team and and it's a big learning curve. Where to be, well, how to, think all excuses, the variables.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it excuses that they're not good on that end of the floor, but also are Yeah, you they're surprised? 22 games into the season. Are you surprised by the fact that that part of their game is significantly worse? Yeah. than what you get on
1: offense. Not really. No. They're the least experienced team in college basketball. Defense is going to be an area where they struggle. Young teams do not play defense well on the whole. Go back to those teams that, are, that run crazy good defenses like Virginia a few years back. That, that was an experienced basketball team. You know, it's just easier to kind of get that chemistry and that camaraderie. Now, does Auburn make mistakes? on the defensive end of the floor that you can't blame on youth and just say, hey, like, I know the, you know, if you're the coaching half, you're like, I know we've talked about this, you know. I think Auburn's done a better job in the last couple of games going back to the Vanderbilt game as well, like where they're doing a better job with their on-ball defense, but just some things come up. Like in this game, it was just Kentucky just got open looks from deep, right? It wasn't that, I mean, Kentucky, think about how much size Kentucky, Kentucky has, right? Think about how much they want to pound it inside. They were 5 of 14 on layups in this game. You know, so it wasn't like they were getting shredded down low like they did against Ole Miss and Georgia. It was a different game. Auburn had more points in the paint. Auburn had more rebounds. Auburn had more second-chance points. You know what they didn't have more of? Free throw attempts. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much your difference in the game. Auburn hit as, hit the same number of three-pointers as, as Kentucky did by the end. A little bit more points off turnovers. But, I mean, as much as you don't want to just point to like point to like, okay, well, you didn't get the free you didn't get the foul calls you wanted to. The whistles weren't kind to you on the road, which it's Rupp Arena. Like you're going to have a hard time getting calls there. Period. And this is not me claiming the conspiracy or anything. It's just it's just hard to do that. It's hard to get it on the road, especially in these like bigger basketball venues that are known for that kind of stuff. Um I mean, Sharif Cooper missed the 17 shots in the game cuz he didn't get the foul calls that he normally does right? He's averaging nine free throw attempts a game. This is only the third time this season he had less than six in a game. Get him to the free throw line like once or twice and it's a different game. I mean, you don't even have to change everything up that time. Or on the other side, just don't send Kentucky to the line as much. They they wanted Dylan Carwell off the floor as quickly as possible and they got <laughs> they got him. They got him. Kentucky went right after him and got him. He had five thousand ten minutes. Bruce, had no, Bruce was at a loss for words after the game about this. And watching Bruce Pearl get through that press conference, I mean, I asked him a couple of questions that I knew. He was, like, having, like, I don't know, he probably hates me secretly for it because, like, you know, I asked him, like, Sharif didn't go to the free throw line. Like, is how hard is it for you to do your offense when you've relied on Cooper getting downhill and either creating or getting those foul calls? Because getting those foul calls that Sharif Cooper gets, right? Look at what they did against Missouri. Look at what they did against Vanderbilt. Several games seen. It creates this, this, this kind of chilling effect, whether – you're either just gonna keep fouling fouling him or you're gonna change up your defense. You're gonna to have to do something differently. And that's either gonna let him score more frequently or get the ball out and get 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 the ball in the hands of his shooters, you know, and he gets that's where he gets all those assists. If he's driving downhill and he's going up and nothing's happening, you know, Kentucky could just say, all right, we're just gonna keep doing this for the rest of the game. Now, not every defense is gonna be as tall and as physical as Kentucky is, but I mean, Bruce. you could tell Bruce Pearl after the game was just like, all right, what can I say that won't get me in trouble here?
0: Yeah. yeah, and there are times where you go, all right, I would like for him to just say it. But it doesn't really benefit him in the long run because outside of Auburn people, it'll just be viewed as a complaint. And the way it'll be covered is bad sportsmanship so it really gets yeah. you nowhere i mean he he played it smart after the final four loss he was a very gracious loser and it was really the best way you could go about it from a pr standpoint yep and i, I don't think he was likely to do anything different here what does it gain you other than stating the obvious which then gets turned around on you so
1: in a perfect I, world we're normalizing coaches and players just shredding officials
0: absolutely you know what they when they, when it's this consistently bad i would like to think that people would be more open to it it's interesting because fans myself included love to complain about the official officials for the two hours and 10 minutes or so the game's being played but if a player or a coach has the audacity to do it especially from a losing team and pointing out this is a weird differential like i think you even pointed it out when auburn beat missouri if you're missouri it's like what are we going to do that's going to overcome yeah. this deficit and yeah. you know that was a big difference in auburn getting what's probably to date its best win of the season
1: right and, and and i also think if 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 coaches and players and i get it like you don't want to publicly like bad sportsmanship or certain example whatever but it's the same reason you don't allow allow celebrations and all that other junk too it's it's kind of dumb from the ncaa standpoint but like yeah i guess you see it more often in the pros, because it's like, oh, don't criticize the officials after the game because they'll fine you, and then they'll be like, okay, cool, I'm getting paid millions of dollars. I'll throw that out there. I'm fine with that. But I also think in that case is, one, the players can't pay the fines. Two, the coaches probably don't want to pay the fines uh, in the college level. Um, but you criticize these guys, and, like, I think it would have an effect on the on the way they officiate the game. Because, like, what what accountability do they have at that point? What accountability? What accountability do college basketball referees have? Right, just the one, just internally. It's uh, that's it. It's what what the the director of officials for you know the conference or the association or whatever say later. Right, it's whatever the conference wants to do. And the conference is not going to throw people under the bus. That's why. That's why every review, replay, review in football is just like, All right? Can is it very obvious or can we just make sure we don't like make our own guy look bad? So if a coach like Bruce Pearl or any other coach got to come in there and say, you know what, you know that was that was that was garbage. There's no reason a uh, Sharif Cooper should never been never gotten to the free throw line. I don't know what they were looking at. How how did they shoot 15 more free throws than us in a game that was ended by two? And just go like that, it would change something. Maybe I mean it's better than this whole thing. where it's like all right, nobody say anything because the refs will get irritated. I mean these two guys, these both coaches got texts tech, in this game. Right? Like, it's just... its Which, just
0: that gets into a different thing. It's like, what is a technical? Of course, it's very subjective to the feelings of that particular riff. And uh, like so much, you know, whether it's celebrations in football or hanging on the rim for too long, it's like, well, what is too long? And and then we get into a different realm where it's like, what is and isn't a charge? Nobody knows. Uh, well, but it, it seems... So There's all, there's all these vague questions... That I'd like more concrete answers to. And then there's like, hey, pay the refs a lot, make it their full time job, make sure that there's a similar flow of officiating. And then if they're getting paid handsomely, you know, six figures or whatever it is, and it's their only job, I expect them to be big boys and take some honest criticism.
1: Right, like because what you have is when you create a culture, is like, hey, don't yell at the referees too much; they'll give you a technical foul. Or hey, don't you know say anything bad about them after the game; they'll you know they'll find you. What it creates is a, a kind of a, a culture where it's like we We're can all do it. around. We're the right. Obvious. We're always right. Like that is what that is what you're what, what you're saying is that okay, we can screw up a call, but please don't be mean about it. The customer
0: like, is always right, except when they're not. It's like, you know, I mean, the refs just get to sort of make up the rules, and like, I'm sorry if you don't like it, and it's like, well, why don't we just get some consistencies? You get to call the game, but let me know what it is that Auburn did that was minus 15 times more aggressive than what it is <laughs> Kentucky did.
1: And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying they're they need to be perfect by any means. No one's perfect. They're all humans. We all screw up, and we well, all are, we all make are, mistakes. Are, but just our be Josh accountable. Has pointed
0: out like refs don't necessarily lose the game, and there are some other pretty clear things you can point to in the stat line where it's like, yeah, if Auburn does a few things a hair better, we're not having a conversation about the refs. Yeah, but Auburn still can't give up fifty-two in the, the second half.
1: Story. You can't give up fifty-two points in the second half and win. Take Again, away the free bad throws; bad it's still forty. Team. Take away the free throws in the second half. Kentucky still scores forty on you. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. Okay, that's the reason why you why you lost the game. That's what you can control and what you lost. And that's a big one. That's a really, really big one. But you also can sit there and say, come on, if this was even – I mean, I'm not saying it has to be even because games aren't even. But, like, just there, – there, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that picture. We haven't talked about it yet, but the, the end of the game, Auburn's down three. By the way, huge shot by by Kentucky – In the final minute, Uh, Auburn switched over to zone. You know, again, it's the thing about switching up on defense is sometimes it catches the offense off guard. Sometimes it catches your own players a little bit off guard. They're not in the right spot. He hits the the three. Big shot. So Auburn gets a sideline play. After the timeout, they're going to try to run it. They get a baseline drive for Sharif Cooper. Sharif Cooper goes up. No foul call. Um no goaltending which is what they wanted ball was under the rim that's what they were trying to clear uh, on that one um JT Thor who had been shooting really really well was wide open on a kickout maybe True Cooper does a better job of looking up down the stretch he kind of gets downhill locks in wants to wants to score maybe not as much trying to create off the drive in those late game situations because he's a finisher he wants to he wants to put the game in his hands I don't necessarily have a problem with that call. I mean, I know people would want to draw something up that included Thor. I thought, you know, something like a pick and pop would probably work there. But I mean, hey, it got you a look. I just think in that situation, though, you're not getting that foul call. You hadn't gotten that foul call all game. Yeah. Like he was going to have to get he was going to have to get shot halfway <laughs> halfway in the air for him to get a foul call
0: just a punch to the face and even that we've seen in other games this year was not enough
1: and thor was open on the kickout opportunity and that, i mean that's tough that's up it is again right. it's something that you have to learn that's something you have to develop something you have to pick up on
0: and i will say you know i don't know what his mindset was in a flash second that we're now breaking down in lots of time and detail but like how much do you trust your teammates in that moment? So there have been some cold streaks for some of these players, and he's been the most consistent creator. So, like, there's a level of, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to get this shot, games on my shoulders, which we appreciate. Like, there are when even they hit them losses, there are certain players where you go, I'm cool with him taking the final shot. I appreciated that he wanted the last shot.
1: And I think the problem a lot of arm fans have is that Thor was shooting really, really well. Sure. Right? yes and and, and uh, yeah
0: and we can definitely parse over that I, th- I think in, and in cooper
1: your... hits that if cooper hits that shot and Auburn ends up winning that game or something like that. same thing with the Arkansas game as well I don't think anybody has a problem with it same thing with the Alabama loss same thing with Alabama Alabama loss it's just bad luck down the stretch right and it was funny because there were some people in my mentions after the game that were like you know if jT if if Sharif cooper you know closing the game out like this, you know, shows that I'm not. Re- he's not ready for the NBA. It's like, okay, I didn't know I had so many NBA scouts uh, who followed me, but it's like, guys, like he doesn't have to be perfect to go pro, right? Somebody told me that there was a there was like a thread on some message board. that were like, well, if you look at the way uh, Isaac Cora's, uh shooting the ball this season in Cleveland, it shows he wasn't. You know, he wasn't ready to play. He wasn't ready to go to the NBA. It's like, what are y'all talking about? The NBA is not interested if you're a finished product. In fact, they wish you're not a finished product. They want you to get better under them. The younger, the better. Sheree Cooper is going to be a top 20 pick if he comes out this year. Lottery pick, probably, uh, just by virtue of stepping out, just because of how young and talented he is, right? And I think there needs to be something here where I want to make sure and people who are hardcore Auburn basketball fans who have been following this team for a while and who, who who are you know 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 what they're doing and they're and they're plugged in you you don't have these these thoughts and these takes but I'm seeing more and more people recently just kind of being like well these guys don't need to go they need to stay around here you need to be very very careful as a fan for a couple of reasons number one sending guys to the NBA only helps you get more talent down the road. Period, bottom line. Number two, do you really care about these players or do you care about them just because they play at Auburn? And the answer to that question is evident in how you talk about some of these guys and their decisions or the decisions they've already made. All right? It's not one to say, if Sheriff Cooper goes and it's like, well, we don't have anybody here. Blah, blah, blah. No, you're getting Jabari Smith. You've got guys. Co- you got guys coming up down the road that are going to be fine. Support these guys, man. They're gonna make the best decisions. Bruce Pearl has given you, as an Auburn basketball fan, Bruce Pearl has given this program more talent than they've had ever. You can go all the way back to the '90s, and we don't have reliable recruiting rankings for that. But at least since the '90s, since they've had that, and if you can show as a program that you can get guys who aren't necessarily supposed to be one and done talents, or even two and out talents like Chumo Kiki, and get them to the NBA, get them to the lottery picks, get them to make first round picks, that is the goal. Because how much I know everybody wants to sit around and talk about how they love playing for Auburn and it's so different here at Auburn and, and you know it's so special. And all those things can be true, right? But let's keep in mind these dudes are here because they have to be. They have to be playing college basketball somewhere under this this thing for at least a year. Unless they're doing the, the G League thing and that's still in its infancy at this point. Be very, very careful, I think, as a fan. Be a be pro players, man. Like that's that's the whole thing. Because I, I can see a scenario where if Sharif Cooper goes to the to the to the pros after this season, people are going to badmouth him. I mean, people are obviously badmouthing Isaac for his decision. And you know what Isaac Okoro is doing? He's playing 40, 40 minutes a game for the Cavs. He's not scoring. He's not a great fantasy basketball player. But you know what he's doing? He's changed the culture on that defense. That team's a different team with him on the floor now. You got to it just it just irritates me because I think Auburn fans want to want to sit there there's a lot of Auburn fans who want to sit and say, "Hey, we're different. We're better. You know, we support our guys, Auburn family, all that stuff." And there are some of you some of you, probably not you any of you listening, but there are some people out there who are seemingly they just only care about these guys just when they're playing for their teams or when they're winning for those teams. And that sucks. That just sucks. So sorry for the rant, but that sucks. I would
0: only add to that the feeling I've got out of this is like there's a group that feels like, especially if Sharif should move on, there's unfinished business and that what this year was didn't amount to anything. And and I've even heard and I can understand this logic of like it'll be held against Auburn that Sharif came and instead of making it to the tournament or having a great season, he was a one and done and you didn't really do much with it. And I suppose I understand that line of logic, but I also think what you're saying is true. You're then going Chuma overperformed, Isaac over- overperformed to top five levels, and then Sharif probably, if he goes, he I'm definitely overperforms. He feels good about a top ten pick if, if you're going to go. I'm, you know, yeah. Don't know floating that out there, though. Feels good right. about where he is behind basically Cunningham and Suggs. That's three years in a row. Now, will the season have been what I thought it was, especially a month ago when I thought maybe Auburn's going to win actually 10 games in conference play? No. But I'm I'm down with the point of, like, you have to support the players, not just while they're committed to your team, not just while they're on the team, but then afterward. And if they find a different path, support them in that. You know, like, remember, as frustrating as it might be that this season has – been an up and down ride they're 18 and 19 and I say that seriously like most of them are because we're talking about freshmen and sophomores and uh that's uh, that's really all I have like I get the sentiment of like well what will this season have amounted to
1: right but and, we I, did, I, and we didn't know what Isaac Okoro could have finished last season because he didn't have a postseason and we don't know what what Sharif Cooper has in a postseason or any of these other guys ha- having a postseason this year because it didn't happen Forces outside of their control, right?
0: And, and I, I think, too, like all of this is at the backdrop of Alabama having this success. Auburn right. has a great year last year. It wins 25 games again. And you have all this experience. And yet, it doesn't get the opportunity to perform in another postseason where it's coming off a Final Four run. Right. And you add to that, Alabama's having its best season in a long time. And maybe Nate Oates is going to wind up three and one in his first two years against Bruce, and so in this small sample size, it's like, where is this going? And there's this hyper yeah. nervousness about losing your grip on the state, the sport where you've had some success because you're getting throttled in football, and it's like, well, this is a thing that that you know the program is capable of of staying in front of. And um, yeah, you have to. I agree. You have to support the players after they leave the program, whenever they choose to do so.
1: Right and, and yeah, I mean, I think you just have to be very, very. I mean, well, you don't have to, but you know, I mean, kind no, of you don't have to. Otherwise. You can, yeah, exactly. But it's just like, you know, uh, we lose all these guys. What is that going to do for us? Well, okay, how about this? If you want to take any pride in anything, especially in two seasons, you don't have a postseason. If you want to take any pride in anything? Hey, these cause, these guys decided to go to the school that you love, and it and it changed their lives, right? because they weren't going to be lottery picks and they weren't going to be top 10 picks or whatever, or top five picks when they came in. But what they did here and how they represented your school, they did. There you go. There's the thing you can take pride in. And those success stories are only going to bring in more success stories. Jabari Smith's not coming to Auburn without what he's seen Isaac Okoro and, and, and Chumo Kiki doing. I would also
0: or, add the pressure on Jabari because there's yeah. real talk of him being a one-and-done player. On top of now three years in a row, all these players overperforming and overachieving. And it's like, well, a lot of people view him as a potential top five, top mm-hmm. ten pick. And it's like, well, how do you overachieve from that? That's like basically you're a top pick. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure in basically molding the program. And if Sharif leaves, everyone's looking around going, Okay, who's carrying the program? You, person Everyone. who just got here. <laughs> Everyone else. They're still going to be a really good team. And that's the exciting part that I think that through all this we have to look at is where are Dylan Cardwell and Jalen Williams and these other players in two years? Yeah. I mean, even next year to some extent. But, like, there is so much promise. It's just, like, it's hard for me to get my hands on this season because there have been moments where I'm going, oh, this is it. They're they're already – they've arrived. Mm -hmm. And then you look at a game like this and you go, another – loan deficit to a team that quite frankly you can quarrel over who's better I mean you know so basically got Auburn win. still is yeah so I don't I don't know I just uh weird year and a yeah. tough year with the backdrop of Auburn's rival having so much success I I have talked about Alabama so much I should stop
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know if you're gonna be winning very many many friends of that I was gonna say something about uh about that kind of following up but it's escaping me at this point. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I went a little long on that. I no, don't you're know, good.
0: I don't know what else to say about the team right now. I really, it is the most perplexed I've been since before the team, air quote, got good. Because right. I have this different level of expectation for what I should be watching, and this isn't meeting it. But at the same time, I'm going, well, you know, that's part of the problem of having high expectations. For most of my life, I just expected the team to be terrible.
1: Mm hmm. And they've got a chance to bounce back on Tuesday night. They play a Mississippi State well, team. This isn't that, a terrible team. Like, that's the thing. You're watching right? it
0: going, oh, my God. They're so close.
1: Mississippi State has the exact same record as Auburn right now. 11-11 overall, 5-8 and eight in the SEC. They are also a very, very young team. They're also kind of going through it. They also just lost by 21 to Vanderbilt at home. Don't know how that year happened. Year not just for Auburn for what don't, it's worth. Don't know how that happened. This is a this is a bizarre basketball team. And Auburn hadn't played them yet this year. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. They got some dudes. They got some players out there, but they just like Auburn, they haven't been able to kind of put it all together consistently. So it's going to be a, an interesting matchup on Tuesday night. And I'm really upset that I can't remember what I was going to add to, that, to this conversation. <laughs> it was something about Oh, it was something about it was something about Sharif Cooper and I can't I can't. Uh, oh, oh, I know, I know. We say all this not to say that Sharif Cooper is definitely going to leave. Sharif Cooper has we different. We don't know. We I don't know, know if he knows. I don't know if he knows. I know. I know a few things here. I know Sharif Cooper helped recruit a lot of these guys to Auburn. I know Sharif Cooper didn't get a full season with these guys. I know that he's been a factor in future recruiting for Auburn as well with guys like Jabari Smith. I also know that again very very different and this kind of money is different I mean this kind of money is big for whoever gets it but like I also know that Sharif Cooper his family isn't hurting like it's not like hey if I don't make it if I don't go to the NBA right now I got to take care of my family like he's not in that position that some maybe some other guys have been in right you know other guys
0: too many that are forced to make a tough decision about hey I can go ahead and get some guaranteed money now and I'll be up for that next contract a year sooner
1: Sharif Cooper is not in that financial situation. His family's not in that. So he can be possibly a little more flexible. And if you read the observation, or I'm sorry, the mailbag that I put out on on Friday, friend of the newsletter, Josh Dub asked me a question. He's like, all right, if Bruce Pearl said, hey, Pitt, Sharif Cooper wants to hear your best reason for why he should stay at Auburn. What would it be? And I said, the move that would make the most sense for Sharif Cooper Again, nothing to do with with Auburn and how much they could win next year. All those things are valid, and those are things personal. I say For him personally, though, there's a real shot that he could be the number one point guard in the 2022 NBA draft because there's a couple things to keep in mind here. Number one, and you mentioned Mert, nobody's beating Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs in, in point guard one and two right now in this draft class. I don't think there's anything Sharif Cooper can do to jump Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. Uh, from Oklahoma State and Gonzaga, respectively. I don't think there's anything they can do. He will be third at best at point guard if he comes out. Okay. Twenty twenty two class. What do we know about the twenty twenty two class? It is not very strong at the point guard position. The number one point guard in America coming out of high school in the twenty twenty two class. Surprise, he's going to Alabama. His name is JD Davison. He's the ninth best player in the in in the country. Again. And I'll not- take
0: my chances right now, honestly, with Sharif. Ending up over him, should he wait a year? That's a right. big projection that I yeah. can't. But like with a year under his belt,
1: mm-hmm. mm, that matters to me. A year under his belt, playing around a more experienced team, bigger showcase, potentially a postseason that he can get. That would make a lot of sense. He could come out, be a two guy, get a full year with his dudes because you didn't get that this year. Get a full year with the full compliment, then ride right on off into the NBA. And be, and it's not like, hey, oh wow, you're not you're not coming straight, you're not a one and done guy. We don't want anything to do with you. John ja Morant, different situation, but John ja Morant was a two year guy at Murray State, you know, blows up in his second season, of course, but he was the number two pick in the draft. It's okay. It's okay to 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 wait a little bit. You don't have to we know the NBA likes to prioritize youth and potential and upside, but they ain't gonna say no to a really good sophomore. So that's the one thing to keep in mind. Nobody knows, man. Like, nobody knows. Nobody thought Jared Harper was going to go out when he did. But Jared Harper maximized his stock. And by the way, Jared Harper is ripping the G League in half right now. Did you see his stat line that first game in the bubble for Westchester? I didn't Fantastic. see his stat line. I saw oh my him
0: yurking on someone who is significantly taller than him.
1: That man thought he could block him just because he looked at Jared. He was like, ah, now nah, he got it. Um... No, Jared had an incredible night, but I believe he had, um, I believe he had thirty in the first in that first game. Uh, let us pull it up. Yeah, Harper had thirty-one and ten in that game for the Westchester Knicks, and it's going to end up working out, right? So, you know, there, no one knows what's going to happen moving forward with with Sharif Cooper, but you cross that bridge when you get there. And I've also said. If Auburn needs a point guard next season, they ought to be able to find one. They ought to be able to find an experienced one in the transfer portal who will who will want to play with this ca- caliber talent around them. So keep all that in mind. I think. In in in, in conclusion, um, <laughs> yeah, unlucky unlucky bounces, unlucky whistles against them uh, for Auburn against Kentucky. They should have played a lot better defense in the second half. But to be fair, at the beginning of the second half. I don't think anybody on planet Earth thought Kentucky could get quite that hot uh, from deep. This team is this team's kind of snake bitten this year, but they're going to be fine long term if they continue to stay the course and improve. You can't watch a dude like JT Thor play the way he did on, on Saturday, or guys like Jalen Williams all year, or Jamal Johnson, or um, Devin Cambridge, definitely Sharif Alan Flanagan. Just the the potential and the progress you've seen from these guys this year. Not think this team could put it all together. But it doesn't take the sting of losing out any. Also, support the players, no matter what. support the boys. And
0: I will contend that Bruce still has a lot of benefit of doubt left. You know, next year we can talk at the end of the season, but uh, the team has been so good the last couple seasons and has moved into peak performance at the right time, uh, at least, you know, in the last two years. Uh, I know they didn't, again, get to finish the job last season, but... I feel good about Auburn with or without Sharif. If they get him back, then the obvious thing follows, which is that basically everybody has them penciled in as a
1: top ten team for most of the season, and we go from there. We go from there. Um, where do we go from here, right now, Painter? Let's talk. Cool. Let's talk. Let's talk to the. Let's Let's talk to the people about uh about what they can do to help support us. Yeah, Looking I've forward. been in
0: passion today, so if you guys wouldn't mind sharing a little uh, love, rate, review, subscribe, that helps the podcast tremendously, mm-hmm. um, rating, reviewing, subscribing, it can be brief, but we love it when you drop those five stars, and we yes. appreciate you guys uh, shouting us out in any way you feel necessary, telling your friends and enemies, thank you guys, thank you guys, much love.
1: We've got a we've got a few uh we've got a few reviews that we said we would read <laughs> if you're gonna shout it out. Uh this one from uh Auburn wins, three four two eight, very creative name says, Justin Painter bring a great brand of informed, entertaining discussion of Auburn sports. Love that they focus on basketball just as much or more than football. Hey, thanks. I know some people don't enjoy that part about it, but sorry. <laughs> um, I often learn something or gain a new perspective on something while listening to the podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. Hey, thanks. Auburn wins uh, 3428. Um, you didn't follow full instructions. You did talk about me in there. You're supposed to only talk about Painter and these things. Um this is from B.50 50 who I recognize on Twitter. Uh, he says, the enemy of the enemy is my friend. Painter is an enemy of the NCAA. Painter is my friend. Great review. That and, is well done. And finally, and finally, this is from an anonymous Northwestern graduate student. I think we know who that is, uh, Painter. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, Fergan Painter, are quite the dynamic. He put the, T, the capital T in Painter. Painter, he said that you hit him with a new phone ho- who this last week. Wow! I
0: did. Got I him. Did. I did. I've had to do that a lot. It's been awkward uh, recently. I don't. I had no ability to save my contacts. And shout out to Tom Green for helping me out with the backup phone. Oh, there you go. So That's, much love there. But yeah, if you happen to Tom. be fortunate enough to have my contact, I don't know who
1: you are. <laughs> Uh, also, also, this uh, anonymous Northwestern graduate student says, uh, "Conspiracy time! I believe these two are subtly brainwashing the audience into becoming Bills fans. Uh, there's no subtlety yes. to it. That's what we're doing. This Berg all... himself
0: has been red pilled I, I am, I am Bill pilled,
1: folks. We are all, we are all on board with the with the Buffalo Bills. All right." You can subscribe at auburnobserver.com if you haven't already. Many of you who are listening do. We appreciate that. You can get all the all the, all the the writing, uh, the mailbag, the observations, some of the things we mentioned. Last week I heard about Bo Nix and Patrick Mahomes and, and pass protection and all that good stuff. Um, talked about Auburn's recruiting, uh, their football facility, what that means, going to have a couple – more football-adjacent things moving forward uh, as we continue. Yeah, let me
0: just add, and sorry to cut you off first. Yeah, Check go ahead. Check out that story if you've got access to it, because it is a real sweet spot of mine. My ego's bruised about uh, our sweet king, Bo Nix. You know, if you listen to this long enough or listen to the old show we did together, uh, I've certainly talked him up. But I think th- there were some numbers in that, Ferg, that really surprised me both in where the offensive line was in terms of its pass protection it was an interesting look at both where he failed and where the line failed and the big plans ahead or at least the, the expectations that we've got for horse and however it is he's going to fix that great story and it's not an easy thing to talk about i think because it's as a fan you want to find that this is the problem and if we do this thing it'll be fixed and i think what we're finding as your story points out is there's actually a number of things that will have to change
1: yeah, there's got to be nuance with it and everything, but I think there are some interesting discoveries about Auburn's pass protection, why it didn't look so great at times, how bonix can help his line, and how the line can help Bonek's moving forward. Speaking of football, by the way, sixty dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. Auburnobserver.com gets you uh, access to all of that. If you're listening to this for free, if you still are listening to this for free, and um, you know, just listen to the podcast. We appreciate you. Thank you for we thank, love you. Yeah, we thank you for tuning in. Um, but if you want to join the inner circle and get ac- access to the extra podcasts that we do on Wednesdays or mm-hmm. Thursdays in the midweek, you can only do that if you are a subscriber. There's a reason why uh, the you may notice that the that the uh, that the numbering of your podcast episodes skips by one on the free ones every week. That that's this is all. what people in the biz call a tease. It's a and tease. On. Um, we also got a tease, uh, speaking to, speaking to tease, we also got a tease, uh, Saturday evening, uh, Auburn football tweeting out, we are 31 days and counting to the start of spring ball. That would put, uh, the first day of practice on Tuesday, March 16th. All right. um, Thank you for doing the math. I would not have counted. I would have just taken their word for it on whatever. That was me Googling. What is 31 days from now? And <laughs> okay, fair getting enough. the answer because I'm always really weird about the And It might, might, might not be right. Who knows? Um, you're a good planner. You like to plan ahead painter 31 days out from practice we're a month out from from spring from spring football practices got a basketball season to wrap up between now and then but it'll be a time here in the near future when this becomes more of a football centric podcast here's a big question for you what is the one storyline thing person whatever you want to call it whatever noun you want to use here what is the one big one that you are looking forward to trying to figure out the most learn the most from spring practice the first one under the new era for Auburn football.
0: Maybe it'll surprise people because of what I just mentioned about that bruised ego of mine at the quarterback position, but I'm excited to see what Derek Mason can do at this defensive line. Mm. Um, It is, to me, very clear that that position has an outsized importance on the teams and championship-winning teams, often have elite defensive lines, and I feel like we've got some real question marks about what that's going to look like and how good they're going to be. I I'm uh, I don't want to be overly aggressive about it, but like I am curious to see. What do you do with that unit? A unit that has been exceptional over yeah. the last few years.
1: Yeah, and and there's some really good young talent up front, but how they all put it together, where they where they go in this new system is going to be fascinating to watch. It's uh, going off of that. Keep an eye on Lee Hunter. I'm really interested to see what Lee Hunter, what, you know, you always talk in the spring about these, these early enrollees, how they come on. I know it's new for everybody, new coaches, new schemes, new systems and all that, but these two freshmen who enroll early, what happens there? We know Lee Hunter, uh, his junior season in high school, he was one of the most productive players in the entire state. He was a five-star at one point, then he committed to Auburn and you can't be a five-star anymore after you do that. Um, so, you know, that's how, that's how that works. Uh,
0: <laughs> what do we do with those wide receivers for? Because that's another that's, unit. Okay, so where that's it's like, so hey, that's the what one I'm got. What's available and what are they going to do?
1: So that's the one I'm most interested in. I think outside of just the general development of Bo Nix and the quarterback position, how much Demetrius Davis pushes in this off But I, I'm really interested in wide receiver because now you have you lost your top three guys from the last couple of years, and I, there's talent there. I mean, you can look at that wide receiver and there's there's recruiting talent. It's just very young. Not a ton of experience. Everybody knows Xavion Capers and Kobe Hudson have, have really high upsides. Um, you know, you saw Elijah Canyon have a big game. I think if Shedrick Jackson can stay healthy, he can be a weapon for you just as an experienced guy. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how all this comes together because there's a lot of young athletic talent, but they're going to have to learn a lot, and this is a new offense. See how the quarterbacks adjust. See how they adjust to a new coach. New system, all that, all that good stuff. So, yeah, wide receiver and defensive line are the ones where I'm like, you're not going to find out all the answers. Like, we're not going to know a depth chart or starters or anything like that until the fall, maybe not even up until the first game. But yeah, like who's who's playing where? Who's getting the who's getting the work at, at certain positions? You know, who's um, who's show, who's showing out? And we're going to start yeah. figuring that a little bit in a month.
0: I think part of my answer also is like, I don't know what to expect out of the offense given some of the uncertainty and the turnover and the new staff. I've convinced myself in this offseason already that I really like Auburn's linebackers and I really like their secondary. So to me, it's like, all right, well, can you get that third unit on the defense and then suddenly you've got something there on that half of the ball? That's part of my intrigue. But we know the direction of the game, and that's scoring points. And so you can't overstate the obvious value of what it is Bo Nix does with his offseason. And, hey, who's going to replace some really talented guys at wideout A position that, like the defensive line in recent years, has been very evidently increasingly important.
1: And also, wide receivers. Like, yeah, we've seen elite wide receiver play in college football change so much for teams. You know, being able to have several guys you can rely on. I mean, Matt Jones is
0: supposed to get drafted by the Bears apparently, which would be very funny if they did that. But please do that, Chicago. But. At the I same think he'd time, be better like,
1: than Trubisky, though, but this is me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a hater of Mac Jones, but I don't think that is some sort of significant upgrade that takes what otherwise, over the last few years, has been a pretty good roster. But it's like, well, you know, I mean, when you're throwing to the guys Mac Jones is throwing to, what what is there to say?
1: Yeah. And I, I guess just... the
0: same thing, I mean, like this is a different conversation about Trevor Lawrence because he is, we think, so good. You know, that Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning type prospect, but like, well, he also has had some help. Painter, where's Deshaun Watson going to go? I have no idea. I hope somehow J.J. Watt ends up in Buffalo, but
1: that doesn't seem likely. As far as... Uh, There's no way he doesn't end up in, like, Pittsburgh or Green Bay, right? Yeah, that's... I think. Either playing next to his brothers mm-hmm. or being in the same, you know, being back, being back home in Wisconsin, right? So
0: this seems pretty clearly to be the best free agency in a long time for the NFL in part because of yeah. what we're talking about, the quarterback position and how much turnover there's been. Is there some world where like Deshaun Watson goes to Seattle and then Russell Wilson finds a new home? Because it seems like, the Oh God. Seattle, oh, God. <laughs> uh, they, branch, well, that so that would be Seattle, weird. Seattle, right? Seattle doesn't like have any going... first
1: round picks to trade. That's their, that's their oh, only yeah. issue. They don't well, have any Also, version. if
0: I'm like, if I'm Deshaun Watson, it's like, well, they haven't exactly. Oh, I'm going to go acting Russell yeah. Wilson very I'm much get killed
1: at a new place get killed in a more
0: expensive place to live. That will be nice. Where do you think he's going, by the way? I'm curious <sighs> to see because I think there's some interesting potential. But it's like, I mean, you, what are you giving up? I don't know.
1: I, I I would have a hard time believing Miami doesn't end up with him just because they've okay. got the most to offer. I don't see him just like just dying to go to the Jets. I mean, he's got a no-trade clause, so it's, he's going to have to kind of like line up where he wants to go if the Texans are willing to get rid of him because the Texans are also run by dumb people at this point. So um,
0: how much more evidence do you need? I mean, it's been a couple of seasons long and it's like, all right, your franchise stars, your best wide receiver, your franchise quarterback, and the guy who has probably been the face of the franchise for the last five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. all one out
1: or have gotten out. Yep. It's not great. Speaking of free, speaking of free agents in Auburn, as we wrap it up, um, painter, our beloved Buffalo bills. Yes. A lot of things they could work on can kind of improve. You've still Painter. got
0: the best idea. Do not overthink this. I don't want them talking about it a lot this offseason, Ferg. It's easy. Stop. You can get rid of the scouts. I don't care. There's one decision for this team to make.
1: Draft analogy? It's easy. Don't overthink yeah. it, scouts. Don't overthink so, it. So I don't know what the cap situation is for Buffalo, but, Painter, I know we've talked about Edge Rusher. Somewhere you, could, you can get a get another uh, a, a bit of a boost, kind of help out that defensive line, get after your quarterback a, a, a lot more frequently. Uh, I would like to remind everyone that Carl Lawson is a free agent this offseason. Talk to me. So keep an eye on that. It's going to be an interesting offseason for a lot of uh, people in the NFL, but I'm very curious to see where Carl Lawson ends up because – Carl continues to be like one of those guys who doesn't get a ton of sacks, but then you watch him on film and it's like, oh, wow, he's just... He's affecting making, most players. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's out there. So would love to see where that guy ends up. I feel like I was all love over the to place
0: today, guy. and I usually am. But at the same time, this was cathartic. Thank you, guys.
1: All right. Well, until next time, for some of you, it will be uh, next week before we talk again. For a lot of you listening in the inner circle... We'll talk to you later this week on Wednesday after Auburn takes on Mississippi State in basketball at home. So, everyone, take care of yourselves. Not going to wish you a happy Valentine's Day because I don't believe in that. Um, happy but,
0: Valentine's Day, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah, Painter will do it. Um, say nice Incredible. things. About, yeah, say nice things uh, about Painter on uh, on the podcast reviews. Yeah, like I said, we'll talk to y'all later. Appreciate all the help. Appreciate all the support. Appreciate all the feedback. Go Bills.